as I was starting to figure out my life, it was hard to break down those barriers of people who perceived me in a certain way to take me serious. You know, here's this girl. She was dating that person. Okay, well, we don't know. And this happened and I've seen her on TMZ and social media and da da da. And that was a struggle. It was hard and it was tough. So I'm the type of woman who wants to see every woman win because I truly believe that when one of us wins, we all win. We don't have to compete with one another. We don't have to undermine one another. One wins, we all win. So my guest today is somebody I really wanted to see win. I didn't know her from a can of paint. I just knew what everybody else knew because she was under such an intense microscope. People were talking mad shit about her. She went through some online bullying of which I have really not seen. And it was just real fucked up. But something in my spirit told me that one day she was going to rise above all this nonsense and shine brighter than ever before. And I still think she is barely scratching the surface of her potential. So I am so pleased to welcome Karuchi Tran on this episode of Jamel Hill is Unbothered. So, Karuchi, I'm not going to lie to you. I got on Claws late. <laughs> I was not on it from the beginning. But I have to give a, a shout out to my girl, my braider, Maritha. Braids hair in Inglewood. Braids your way. <laughs> Check them out. She is like my go-to TV critic. And one day I was getting my hair braided at some ungodly hour. And she put on Claws. She put on the first season. Because uh, I think at this point you guys were in season two. And man, I watched that whole season because <laughs> uh, I, I was getting it done start to finish, you know, so shampoo, all that. So I was in there good, hours. good six hours, easy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was kind of kicking myself because I had seen the previews before and it looked like something I really would be into. Um, but I'm happy I'm in the claws have now. So I'm all in. So I'm really Welcome. happy um, <laughs> that you, Miss Virginia, <laughs> are joining me um, today. Um, but I think, you know, it's important we should start there. Like, how did you land that role as as Virginia? It came in as any other audition through my agency. What's funny is I was actually out of town. I was in Mykonos and, you know, I caught that humble brag. Picking yeah, up what I was you in Mykonos. No, I'm just kidding. I was out of town. I was on vacation. Y'all <laughs> don't apologize. <laughs> Mykonos, I take it back. I take it yes, back. I was right. somewhere really Vacationing beautiful. Vacationing in the Greek Isles, looking hot and beautiful. Okay. Uh, but I was in that zone, you know? And so it came through and they wanted to do a self-tape in which, if you don't know what that is, um, you kind of record yourself um, doing the audition and you send it in. And so... I was like, I don't know. I really want to be in the room for this. Because there's a big difference when you're in the room, you feel the energy. Um, and so I was like, can I ask them if I can, you know, do when I get back? They said yes. And I went in for the casting director, came back again for the director at the time. And then I came back again for the studio. And then I got that phone call. And I was like... Oh my gosh. Did you know who else was going to be in it? Did you I, know it was going to be Nisi I knew Nisi was and everybody else involved. I only I only knew of Nisi at the time. And I hadn't really formed um a deep relationship with her. I think we met at an event before and exchanged information. 
Um, but that was pretty much it. And I didn't want to jinx it and be like, I'm auditioning for this and da 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 You know, I just wanted to wait. And after I had got the role, she had called me and was like, congrats, all this stuff. And she had actually, I guess they had auditioned a bunch of girls and they hadn't really found who they wanted. So she had threw my name in there knowing that I was, um, you know, pursuing to be an actor. So yeah, and, and Claus was the first production, the first role I ever achieved through an audition. So it felt really great. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be on TNT, like with Nisi and all these other great actors. It was just very, it was wild. Mm. Now, when you read the script or whatever it is they gave you initially, I mean, this is a pretty complex character. I mean, for those people who don't watch Claus, um, Virginia, who uh, she plays is a is an ex-stripper. Mm-hmm. She kind of, I mean, even though she's not stripping anymore, she like stripperish yeah. in her in the way she, she still got her stripper clothes. She still has her <laughs> stripper clothes, and um, you know, she definitely is somebody who's who's street smart. But there's a, a naivety I think about her. Um, so when you read that she was, you know, she had a little grime and a little edge. Like, what did you think about playing a character like this? I was so excited and thrilled to open up those doors as for that type of role to be on screen, but also for me personally as an actor to expand my artistry. Because before I did low budget independent films, which is fine because you got to start somewhere. So there's no shame to that. Because before I used to be like, oh, I, you know, people ask, what did you do? I'm like, oh, well, this little thing. And I felt embarrassed, but we all have our own story, you know, and our own journey. This character is is, is grimy. It's got a at an edge, even though there's a, a sweetness there. So playing somebody who's bold, mm-hmm. sex scenes, all this other stuff, like what did you, you know, what did you make of that when you first read about the type of person you would be playing? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a whole in-depth description it said you know she used to be a stripper and you know she um she is looking to be a part of a crew and a family um but a lot of her backstory is what i created with my acting coach you know aside from the notes that the studio or the producers may have had you know i wanted to really hone in on who she was where she came from why she reacts the way she does Um, preparing for this role, I sat in Atlanta for like two weeks and I sat- Oh, we're going to talk about the strip clubs. Yeah, yeah. I I did did read that. I sat in the strip clubs day in and day out, daytime, (laughs) nighttime. I know, like, I felt like a creep because, you know, I've been to the strip club before to have fun and throw some money, but I was studying and I was researching and I was, you know, watching these girls and- watching their facial expressions, watching the way they moved around the room, um, the way that they interacted with other girls, um, the way that they interacted with the customers, their need, their whatever it was. I just wanted to be in that environment to really just soak up, because I don't know, I'm not an extrovert in real life. (laughs) So I wanted to know what it really meant, you know, to, to really come from that world. And what were you? What were you surprised to learn? Because you went to two clubs. If if because if, um, I saw some previous mm-hmm. interviews you've done uh, that I I've also been to. On- Onyx was one. <laughs> Onyx, yeah. All right, and Magic City, of course, because that's City. like you know part of the strip club bucket list. Oh it yeah, was part of mine. You got to. Yeah, gotta go. <laughs> all right, and so. Um, but what did you learn? Because I find that, uh, and I've always told male friends of mine this, um, 
Or just men, period. It, it, like the best people to go to a strip club with are like other women. Yeah. Right? For real. Yeah. Because the strippers will all come talk to us. Yeah. For sure. And so I've learned a lot in, um, you know, my uh, strip club adventures for sure. <laughs> just about their lives, though, because it's really kind of interesting. Right. So I'm curious what you learned about them um, as you were preparing for this. I think their fight to survive. Most of these women are, they're in this position because they, they have to in a sense. It's 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 their their way to to succeed in in their world and to make money and to live day to day and to care for their families and care for themselves. What what really um I think is there are surprising little details that you you find out sometimes about strippers. Like one of the ones that I had never thought of True story, me and this young lady who danced at uh, Magic City, uh -huh. she, first of all, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen, they had a stripper version of Cirque du Soleil. This is like the craziest thing I've seen. It's unbelievable. I think though. I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's the, like that square box. The square box. And, and then, then they flip. They dude. flip. Yeah. I was like, yo, they should have been in the Olympics. Yeah. Like, why you, it, yeah. it is It is physically, it's... It's a real talent. It's a very real talent. <laughs> and I remember the, the girl I was talking to, she told me, she was like, look at that little one. This girl could not have been more than five feet one. She was like, she's the strongest one of all of us. And she, her core strength was stupid. I know, man, y'all don't go to the strip club for core strength. I get it. <laughs> but nevertheless, one of the things she told me was, we were talking about healthcare. And she was just saying like her healthcare, she was saying she used to do what they do in terms of being on the bar. But healthcare for a stripper is like really expensive because most of them do not have um, any kind of medical plan, right? So they pay straight out of pocket. And so she um, she was saying like she had uh, busted up her knee, like tore ACL, like all kind of stuff. And I was like, you did all that stripping? She was like, I can't. She was like, I can only go so high on the pole now because of all the injuries yeah. that I faced. Wow, I actually never yeah. took that into consideration. So look, it, it, if you think about it from a political step uh, uh, standpoint, there's a lot of strippers that probably have pre-existing conditions. Yeah. And I hope they remember this when they vote in 2020. Yeah. Just saying. You just never, these are things you never relate and you yeah. never think of. So I'm no, sure definitely. that you heard a, a lot of stories. So of the strip clubs that you went to Atlanta, which one did you like the best? I actually also went to Follies. I've heard about Follies. And my greedy ass. I, I think heard the wings I'm, in there were that's Out exactly cold. what I was just about to say. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Because the wings are so good. <laughs> I heard the wings were unbelievable. I also <laughs> heard that that might be where you go see women who dance who may have a bullet wound or two. Like, yeah. that's, oh. that's what I heard. Oh. Like, I believe it. Yeah, I heard I believe there's some it. seasoned vets up in there. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody brags about, about the Follies, wings. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, Onyx was like probably the most memorable, but Magic City is much smaller than I think most people would imagine it to be. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just had to get you a little quick ranking because I know <laughs> now all the people from Atlanta be in your mentions, like right. telling you. Like, oh, you need to go here. You need to go here, right? Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the dude that plays Roller. Is it is it Jack? How do you pronounce his last name? Is it Kessie? Yeah, Jack Kessie. Jessica. There's no way he's that hood in real life, right? There's no way. Because um, I imagine him having like a British accent. Oh, and no. Like, <laughs> no. Walking around with blazers. Because it's always those kind of actors that, right. that are so unlike the mm -hmm. character they play. And I was like, this dude is so... He's not... There's a difference to me between hood and Florida hood, uh, right? And Jacksonville is where this is... It's like Jacksonville hood is totally different. Or, or not Jack, It's Palmetto. I'm yeah. sorry, not Jacksonville. That's a totally different kind of hood. So right. like, what is this dude like in real life? He's he's a New Yorker. Mm. He's he was born and raised in Detroit. 
Detroit or New York? No, it's New York. Okay, if it's Detroit, so, I would totally understand it. That's where I'm from. So I would get, oh, okay. I, would, I would totally understand. <laughs> no, I think he's he's born and raised in New York. So he is tough mm-hmm. and a little grimy. Um, but also like kind of we always make fun of him because he's like kind of weird and strange at times but his in his own like cute way like you know like it's just him you right. know like he'll do he'll randomly do like a dance move or he'll be on set and he'll just be like hitting things like boxing like air boxing <laughs> like okay jack relax <laughs> um but he's he's not like corny or anything like that he's a little true to his character <laughs> oh okay um <laughs> Now, why do you think you and Nisi, um, especially given the fact that before you started doing uh, this show, I mean, you guys had kind of like a, a limited relationship. Why is the chemistry between the two of you so good? I don't know. It's just one of those things when you when you connect with someone, when you have that energy, you know, it's just it's just there. When I first started, um, she was the only one out of the cast that I really knew. So I was the closest to her. And she Nisi's the type of woman who's who's everything she's mother she's sister she's girlfriend she's you know the homie you know someone you can go to advice for if you want to talk about your relationship or gossip or whatever it is she has many hats you know and she has that what do you say? It's the way that she like just talks and engages in conversation. Um, it's very motherly and very nurturing. And then as you know, as as more and more as as we filmed and we're in New Orleans and spent more time together, we created this fun relationship of me getting on her nerves, which I'm sure you've seen. I have seen this. <laughs> which is like so much fun because I'm like I'm like the little sister of the crew. So I just do like random annoying things to her and to everybody, and it's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you uh, mentioned a moment ago um, about your acting coach, and mm-hmm. you know you've talked about how you've worked with act- acting coaches before, and it's important to you to to constantly try to get better. Why did you take that approach? Because a lot of people they might get to a certain point, they might get to the point you're at now and say, you know what, I don't even need an acting coach anymore. Yeah. But why is that constant studying important to you? It's important for me to perfect my craft, to take this seriously. It's like an athlete, you know? Once you get to a, a, the league, you don't stop working out. You don't start pra- stop practicing. You practice even harder, you know? And that's the same for um, acting. You have to condition. You have to sharpen that tool to get to, if you want to, to get to that level of your highest expectation. I did a movie with Clifton Powell, and he said, always stay in classes always and i that always stuck with me because i'm like you telling me this for a reason someone you, you know. thought that he was saying that like because of something he'd seen that like you need to stay in no, classes no 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 you but didn't i'm take just, it that way, did you? just okay. you know when like somebody gives you advice mm-hmm. and it's like just certain things you remember and that just always kind of stuck with me for some reason to just keep working and to be better and that was still at a point where like I was still fairly new so I'm pretty sure he was like you got something but keep keep pushing yourself you know and I miss acting class today to be here (laughs) well thank you that Um, that means a lot (laughs) over the past few weeks now that I've been back and settled um, I've been going to my group classes which is called the actor's gym which is that same thing of like going to the gym to sharpen that tool Um, 
And it's just, it's so important because I, I never want to get too comfortable. Because I'm that type of person, once I lay back, whew, I'm like, I'm good. You know, but in this industry, you have to keep going. You have to um, have to really push yourself. And it's and it's one of those things where you have to want it to do it. Nobody is going to make me get up and go to class. I want to be better. I, I see where I'm at now, which and, and it's great. And I love playing Virginia and I love being a part of the TNT family. But I see an even bigger picture. You know, I want to keep going, keep continuing on this path of growth and success and that's not going to happen if i'm just like sitting at home eating cheetos <laughs> which is what i want to do but i'm not going to do it <laughs> flaming hot though flaming hot flaming oh yeah and now they got the extra extra flame. i know i saw those i was like stay away yeah. stay away um I, but i imagine though um your experience in this business is different because um you know you're a, a multi racial multi-ethnic woman mm -hmm. um so what has that experience been like i mean are you typecast are people um you know are have you had to go through some stereotyping and those kind of things because of what your ethnicity is there was a, a role for an audition that i had a couple weeks ago for um a, a black woman who in it's a, a remake of something but in her description she's a, a dark-skinned woman and so i I messaged my manager like, I don't know if I should audition for this because I don't know if it's right for me. I don't know what they're looking for exactly because it didn't say it like in the email that they send, but I did my research on who that character was. And I felt like, you know, in this day and age, I want, I want there to be fair game of representation for everybody. You know, if there's a character who's supposed to be darker toned than I am, then maybe that should be for somebody else, you know, because then I'm misrepresenting whoever this person is. And those people who are, you know, maybe a dark color, they don't feel that connection. And that's not fair. You know, I think it was a it was another actress who auditioned for a role or or was going to audition for a role in Black Panther. And she turned it down because she felt like she was she was too fair skinned to be a part of that and she wouldn't represent that world correctly. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, like that. And that's amazing for her to do that because she's taking herself out of that situation. Because if she would have done that, maybe she would have, you know, been on a, been a part of Black Panther and been a part of that movement. But because she cares, you know, she made that choice. And I think that's amazing. Um, Especially considering nobody would have ever known, probably. Yeah. It's one thing if it's a situation, I think like Zoe Saldana faced with Nina Simone, mm -hmm. where everybody knows what Nina, Nina Simone looks like. Right. So she, her coming in um, as being, um, a, you know, a, a lighter woman, mm -hmm. then they, there was gonna, that was inherently going to create problems for yeah. her, you know? Yeah. So that says a lot that somebody would turn her down a role for someone that it was supposed to be a dark-skinned woman. Yeah. And they didn't, nobody even knew that. Exactly. You know, I mean, I guess maybe people could have played like detective and been like, wait a minute, y'all <laughs> in Wakanda? Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> Remember, I don't know if this is a part of the the Wakandan, um, you know, ethnicity tree. Yeah. Um, but just as a woman of color, though, in this business, like what are some of the challenges you think you've already experienced um, as you've tried to kind of make your way? Acceptance from the black community. The way I was introduced to the world 
we all know, you know, through a public relationship. As I was starting to figure out my life, it was hard to break down those barriers of people who perceived me in a certain way to take me serious. You know, here's this girl. She was dating that person. Okay, well, we don't know. And this happened and I've seen her on TMZ and social media and da da da. And that was a struggle. It was hard and it was tough. And even sometimes meeting people, having meetings, you know, you can just feel that like, you know, they're just like, okay, like, I guess she's trying to do something with herself, but she got too much going on, you know? And it was, it took some years for people to finally um, realize my worth. And it wasn't probably until clause that people started to take me serious. Coming, meeting certain women of color, I felt like, hmm, I felt like I wasn't black enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like they saw me as a fair-skinned woman or a light-skinned woman and um, all this other stuff that I had in my life going on. And it was just like, I didn't feel accepted, you know? Um, And I don't want to get too specific into certain details, but... And that's like a struggle too that I am still trying to, to, that I'm still dealing with is like, am I, am I black enough? I, I'm, I'm lighter. My hair is a different way, but does that make me not black? You know? And, and I, I didn't go through certain, I didn't go through certain um, situations or struggles that other people black people have gone through or people of color have gone through and that's not to take anything away from them or their situation but I just personally have never gone through those situations you know what I mean so it's like it's hard it's I don't know it's this weird thing of I don't know where to belong and I feel I support the black community 100% because I am black and, and regardless of whatever people see or say I am I am black but because I didn't have certain experiences I feel like that takes away from my blackness. Is that not, am I making no, sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. And it is a, um, <laughs> I always think that, you know, black people, we get into trouble when we start trying to have the black litmus test. We get into trouble. That always leads to a very ignorant place about who is black or, um, you know, what is considered black enough. You know, the, the bottom line is uh, whether, you felt you have discriminated, been discriminated against or not, there's still a lot of people that look at you a certain way because you are a woman of color. I mean, that is just who don't look at you um, the same way that they would somebody who was white. I mean, that's just, you are living the black experience whether people want to believe that or not, right? Right. And you've been through certain things on social media that I'm sure Mm -hmm. you could tell that is definitely the black experience. Yeah. So, um, but it, it is interesting how I think in our community, if somebody is of mixed race, that we almost force them to choose. You know, it's like the, um, you know, the one drop rule has been a rule in America forever. But just because that was the rule and a rule that wasn't started by us, that doesn't mean we have to adopt that rule and 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 take that to heart and say, you know what, unless you this percentage or you got to pick us. And some of that, it frankly, it just comes, that's part of the trauma of oppression is that there's a level of self-hatred that happens. And so, um, you know, a lot of times we feel like if there's somebody who is 
you know, in a, a position and has a platform like you have, and they don't specifically go around and say, yeah, I'm black. Not that you have ever said you were anything but black. Yeah. But you also are happy in the me. So, uh, yeah. of course, yeah. that is a part and of your identity. And I am vocal about that, too. Exactly. I, I am what I am. It's what it are. is. It's that in is the your DNA. Identity. It's in my blood. And yeah. you shouldn't be made, um, you know, to to apologize for that identity. And so that's why I said, like, as your your experiences in, in Hollywood, um, it kind of, it was something I noticed a long time ago with Jennifer Lopez. Mm. Notice she went through that, she went through this period where she kept getting cast as an Italian. And I just was like, that's Why? really interesting. Yeah. I mean, Jennifer Lopez, we know her, Jenny from the block, right. and we know she's a Latina. So, and that's not to say that she wanted that, but those were the roles. And I was like, oh, so they they have ambiguously <laughs> identified. Right. <laughs> they trying to steal Jennifer Lopez. Okay? Right. So I just, I wondered, especially, um, you know, because of, of your heritage, if, you know, if you were getting roles that were, um, that they were almost trying to eliminate your identity to some degree because of the way you look. I don't know if that's happened to you yet or not, but it might. I don't know. Yeah. It, it and make you ambiguous. hasn't you know happened yet. But the, the character you play, Virginia, that was supposed to be a half Vietnamese character. Half, yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Which was is any, so interesting. Yeah, I was, like, was there any reason why it was that specific? No. <laughs> and even in the first script, the first episode, she was Vietnamese. I was mm-hmm. like, this is so... This is meant to be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, you know, you you uh, you mentioned before that, like how you people, you know, you went through that thing where people weren't trying to, you know, take you seriously. How did you kind of work through that, knowing people already to some degree had their mind made up about who you were and what you were about? Um, I knew I just I had to, I had to succeed. I had to prove them wrong. Um, I had to prove them wrong, but I also had to prove my to myself that I can do this because I doubted myself a lot, you know, coming out of that situation and just like, it's just so weird, you know, it's like this thing with social media, it's like I have this platform-ish at the time, it was, you know, smaller, and I can do these things, but then there's not much longevity in my mind. Those things being like, you know, the Instagram posts, you know, to make money, to 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 survive, um, to yeah, do. You rea- can't live off tummy tea. No, you can't. You can't. Um, <laughs> Though I would reality- do some tummy tea in a minute, but that's beside the point. Anyway, <laughs> no, you cannot. Uh, you know, reality TV. I had those options, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. You know, you get that gut feeling, and um, even even I say this many times in interviews. There was even a point in my career early on when, you know, I wasn't really booking much, going on hundreds of auditions. And my agency was like, well, you're not really booking anything. What do you what do you want to do? You know, like. And so I was like, oh, wow. Like, OK, what am I going to do? You know, what wh- where am I going to go? So I told myself, you know what? There's a tiny little voice in the back of my head that just said, no, don't give up just yet. Keep keep going, keep pushing, and just just keep, just keep going. And so luckily, I, thankfully, I did. And I just kind of, I don't know. When you're in it, you just find ways. You just fight to just, to just get to the next day. And luckily, you know, I stuck with it. I, I think after that conversation, I was like, yep, it's time to take some acting group classes because before I was just taking private sessions with just one-on-one but I would I was still in my shell I was still so nervous you know 
when you're in a group class, you have to let those barriers down. You have to be vulnerable. You have to do things you wouldn't normally do in front of people you don't know. You know, like in my acting class, the first thing we do is we get in a circle and each person gets in the middle and dances to a song that the teacher chooses. Any type of dance, any type of movement, anything you want to do. But it's so, every day I go, like, my my stomach is like, oh, God, I got to get in this circle today. <laughs> I got to do some something. I got to move. And I'm like, not a, you know, a big dancer or whatever. But after each class, I feel amazing. And it's like, we're all who we are. We're all unique. We're all different. We all got our own shit and whatever it is. But what's most important is that we're all here to become better people to become better actors and so just keep going you dealt with um kind of the the downside of of fame very early Mm -hmm. obviously um in in your career um so how did you kind of I guess work through that and how did it maybe change your perspective on fame overall that was a tough time one to be thrust into that world where I wasn't used to at all like I see old pictures like of paparazzi pictures or whatever and I'm like oh I looked a mess and I just I just didn't know you know mm-hmm. I was just I was just in that moment living my life were they life. like following you around like I don't want to say stalking but kind of stalking in a, in a, in in a, a sense. sense okay yeah and and when when things got real weird and this whole triangle thing yeah people were like this guy followed me one time I went to pick up like my nieces and he followed me all the way to the valley. And I'm like, because he wanted, it was a whole, you know, the whole triangle that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, whatever. I do. But I mean, he, he wanted, followed you to the valley. That's what I'm more or less, yes, that's the reaction. Dro- of my- like it was crazy to me. I was like, what is my life right now? But it made me realize that like, you know, growing up, you think it's such a glorious life and it's nice and everything is golden and you know, that whole thing, but it's not. It's, it's not everything that it seems to be, and it's tough. Fame is like, fame is such a weird thing. I even hate to say the word famous or celebrity. It's like so awkward, you know? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's strange. And I think going through that so early on made me realize, like, don't let this shit change you. Don't let fame take you out of who you are. Like, regardless, I'm still Karuchi from LA, and I still see myself in that light. You know, like I, 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 I never want to shift that thought of like, now I'm this, now I'm that. I'm on claws at TNT. Like, no, bitch, sit out. <laughs> Take your ass to class, <laughs> actually. Right. You know what I mean? And you can, you, there's people that can be jaded and, 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 and they do believe in those things. But that's, you know, that's them. That's those people. And I just, you know, I, I. I made a commitment to myself to, to to always stay true to to me and to take that fame, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes, y'all. <laughs> um, use it for something good. Because for at one point, I was like, people are like, "Oh, you're famous," and then I'm like, "Okay, first of all, whatever. Why? <laughs> why, why is why is God putting me in this?" position you know what I mean why why do I have a platform I wasn't I didn't grow up a child actor and this is not what I always wanted to do and I didn't want to be famous but here it is (laughs) you know like here it is what are you gonna do how can I how can I use this in the 
purest and most genuine way possible. And that's why I'm so vocal about like self-love and, you know, um, if I do charity work or volunteer work or whatever it is, um, just because I do have this platform of people that are are watching me. So I at least want to present it um, in the best way possible. But, but is that a... Is that kind of a heavy responsibility? Because, I mean, you're still young and um, there's still a lot I'm sure you want to do and mm-hmm. learn. But is that heavy to to have a platform and, and feel like you have to use it for something of a greater purpose than, you know, just taking silly photos? Yeah, because I, I have to I have to be careful. Well, I, I, I will say I choose to be careful to um, I choose to be careful the way that I'm portrayed because I don't want to send the wrong message out there because these young kids are so easily influenced. Like, for example, smoking weed. I love to smoke weed. I've been smoking weed since I was 14 years it's old. It's legal here in California. It's legal. Just want to and point that out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. I'm not doing nothing too bad. Right. But I don't ever show myself smoking weed on Instagram or in pictures like other girls do. I'm like, oh, that's sexy. She's in a bikini and she's smoking. But I'm like, I can't do that because I have younger fans and I don't want to portray that message of like, you know, it might not be good for everybody. We're going to check in with you in 10 years. We're going to see you on the gram. Like, yeah, I just lit this blood up. Yeah, see, at that point, point. what's funny is my, my ultimate goal is to be living on a beach somewhere in like Turks and Caicos or Jamaica, smoking some weed, Super tan, got like a Jamaican, uh, a jerk chicken shack or something of that sort. And I'm just living my best life. Like, for real. <laughs> that, when I hit that point, I could I could post all that. That sounds like an amazing, amazing, amazing dream. We have to take a short break. Um, but when we come back, you know, I'm going to have to ask you about Victor, right? <laughs> because I, I know Victor in real life. And so this is my opportunity to clown Victor. <laughs> Why he's not in the room with his uh, LeBron loving ass. We'll get to that uh, after the break. All right, so we are back with uh, Karuchi and, you know, uh, currently in a relationship with Victor Cruz, who is somebody that I'm definitely cool with. And um, we shot this digital series uh, when I was still at ESPN. And we just love making fun of of, of Victor because he has, I wish I love something as much as Victor <laughs> loves LeBron James. <laughs> okay. And so it, it got me to thinking as I was prepping for this interview. Um, and if you haven't asked him this, you should. Okay. If he could only say if you were LeBron. <laughs> Do you think he's saving you? <laughs> Am I? I don't. I don't know the answer now. I feel like it will be LeBron. See but I'm gonna ask him later. <laughs> right. Like I got a serious question. Yeah, for real. Put him <laughs> on the spot. And if he flinches, if your name is not out in the first five seconds, you need to go off on him. <laughs> Straight up. Oh, that's too funny. But no, I I love um, you know seeing you guys together. You all seem like you have. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, but were you, I don't know, were you at all like sort of reluctant to enter uh, like a high profile sort of relationship again and go through that whole drama? I mean, not the same drama, but you know what I mean? Just, just open the up dra- those doors. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. It's just one of those things where like, 
when we met, um, I don't even know how we met. First of all, I was to be honest, that, like, how did you guys even meet? <laughs> we had like mutual friends, okay, and we've seen each other plenty of times at events. But he had a prior situation, and I kind of had a situation too. Um, and then it all kind of just all the pieces just started to fall in the right place, and we just have this great energy of of attraction and not just the sexual attraction just like being you know in each other's space and you know having gone through my previous situations um or situation um it was just refreshing to really meet somebody that i could i felt this way about it was so different so so different especially being in being a high profile person you know what I mean and like even after my the you know that that relationship I think everybody knows at this <laughs> yeah, point that, who yeah. you're talking about um, okay <laughs> um you know I I knew other people that were high profile people as well but it wasn't the same it was just like uh, you know but this was just different very different and um I love him to death and we have so much fun together. I think you you really know or learn about a person from when you travel with them. And we've traveled many places. I, I've seen the, for, some of the vlogs. For, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for like short amount of times, long period of times. And we do well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we, you know, I uh, he gives me my space. I give him his space. We know each other, how each other kind of moves. And... It's really a blessing to just meet somebody who is just, what's the word? Is, I guess maybe kind of easy, just, you know? I mean, I know yeah, relationships are never easy, easy but, but you're is. easy together maybe. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, um, So uh, I assume that a lot of people have been probably um, wondering, so... Are you guys going to get married? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> there goes another rumor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I get the marriage and the pregnancy rumor questions all, all the, the time. time. Okay. And I think there is no need to rush. Whatever is meant to happen will happen. Um, it's been almost two years now, you know? And so it's still... It's still a short amount of time, really. You know, marriage is is for me. I don't I don't want to get married just because it's cute. Or, you know, I want to have pictures on Instagram, whatever it is. Like that's a real thing to me. And so I want to make sure that both of us are in the right mindset and the right position to take that on. Because also, I live in on the West Coast. He lives on the East Coast. It's like, oh, <laughs> what's gonna happen? Right, right. <laughs> Who's moving where? You right. know, because I'm not moving to no East Coast. I tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> some of Victor's listening like what? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, not, he knows that. I've been vocal. Okay. Of like, uh, look, I love it. Does I'm, he love I'm, it that? Like he said, he loves that more than LA. I mean, you know, I have no dog he, in this fight. But I mean, he's from Jersey, born and raised. Yeah, so, I know. He's you know, but he does love LA. Um, but again, you know, to make that commitment, I wouldn't, me personally, I wouldn't want to, to jump that far as far as like, who's moving where until we're, if we do get married. Right. Because then that solidifies us in our relationship and where we stand. Because moving coast to coast, that's a big deal. And he has 
a daughter that he has to, you know, be mindful of and her her position as well. So it's a lot of different components. Um, and working in ESPN and in Bristol, you know, so it, we got Have time. Have you made that the Bristol trip yet? No. He, he he almost he almost got me one time. I was okay. out there and he had to go. I think he just like went and came back. And I was like, Yeah, don't. It's five AM. I'll see you when you get back. Yeah, exactly. Just stay in New York. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Not missing much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, like are your parents, are they still together? No. Your parents are not still together. So is um because you, you sound kind of almost like a traditionalist a little bit. I am, but mm. you know what's funny? I it's that thing where, like... I not gr- that there's anything wrong no, with that. No, no, yeah, not at not all. Not at all. I grew up watching too many Disney movies <laughs> where it's like a fairy tale and the you got the house with the green grass and the white picket fence and the dog and... <sighs> that ain't that ain't real. <laughs> you know? For some people it is and some people it isn't. But I've, I let go of that. And that's why I say me and Victor can take time and I'm not pressed to get married. The old me would be like, yeah, let's get married. Let's do this. But we can't force that. You know, it has to come naturally. It has to be whatever is a part of our journey. Um, so it, it, maybe marriage is not a part of of my story. Maybe having children, you know, is not a part of my story as well. And that's something that I've accepted, that it's it's whatever God has planned that's what it is. I control as much as I can, and that's about it. Yeah, you um, you mentioned this uh, earlier before the break about how one of the reasons why you're very careful about how you use your platform is because you know there's a lot of young kids, and I imagine a lot of young girls that really look up to you or check to see, you know, what you, um, you know, kind of what you're doing. Um, you know, if you could, I mean, I know it's is tough because there's a lot of bits and pieces of advice that you could give to, to young girls these days. But, you know, based off, um, you know, what you've experienced, what you've gone through in your career, like what, what do you wish you would have known? Um, like before any, any of this happened before you, you know, decided to pursue acting like that you feel like we're really key things um, that you think could help young women overall, regardless of what they're pursuing, be it acting, yeah. you know, um, whatever. Because the one thing I think I'm impressed with is that you're, I know, in, in, especially in Hollywood, you get told so much more than you get told yes, like constantly being told no. Yeah. And so there's a lot of young people, at least that I encounter, that, um, you know, that's th- that rejection is hard to take oh, sometimes, yeah. especially mm-hmm. if something you feel like you're passionate about and you can do, and then you hear this over and over. So if there are any bits and pieces of advice you feel like you could pass on that you think could be helpful to young women as they pursue whatever it is they may be pursuing? I think it would be self-love and self-fulfillment. I wish I would have learned or known to put myself first and I think and this is something I've learned in acting class we all have a need in our lives and we have the uh, public persona which is we we mask that need and so for me I think my need was to be loved and so my public so I instead give love to everybody else you know what I mean? I think um, the best thing is to to take care of of 
you, your soul, figure out what you want. Don't rush into things. Nowadays, people rush into relationships and this and that. And I wish I would have been more um, worried about school than worried about boys. You know, I wish I would have went to college, you know. So because you started as um, uh, you were a celebrity stylist and a personal assistant. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Um, now, when you were on the ground floor of this thing, you you didn't imagine yourself as an actor. So what did you think you were going to become? I don't know. When I graduated high school, I'm like, I'm gonna be a hairstylist. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna own a restaurant. I don't, you know. I was so you were all over the place. I was all over the damn place. <laughs> um, but I worked at Nordstrom, which is a department store, for like three years, um, and that's where my love of fashion started. And then, so you know, I started. I wanted to get out of that world um, of retail. And so I became a personal assistant and then a, an assistant to a celebrity stylist. From there, things got a little crazy. Cause then, so you when, you were, when you're a personal <laughs> assistant, like what is a, um, I imagine, especially in this city, that has got to be one of the hardest jobs. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do the, the dirty work. Yeah. <laughs> you got to, you know, bring in the stuff, go get the stuff, pick up stuff and set everything up while the head stylist is like... You know, but they probably took their, it took whatever um, work for them to get to that point as well, you know? So how did you eventually decide it was acting? I mean, I I get the sense you knew you had to do something, but like why? You could have picked a bunch of other different things. I mean, fashion. I mean, you could have picked that or or anything else. So why why did you gravitate toward this in particular? Well, when I hit that point of... What am I going to do with my life? Right. What does all this mean? I started working with Jacob. Um, Your manager? My manager, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and he's uh, he's he works in the film industry. He's a producer. So he's like, have you ever acted before? I was like, no, not really. Like, I'm kind of, can be timid and shy sometimes. But I'm a, I'm a firm believer in you never know until you try. So I was like, I'll try it. If not, I'll never do it again. <laughs> If so, then if, if you know, hey. So I had this very, very small role in this um, TV one, like, horror flick. The Megan Good and some other actors. And I had, like, one line, and I was, like, so nervous. But I was intrigued. I It sparked an interest for me. Um, but I knew I had to, you know, do the background work and everything. And that's when... When I started to, um, you know, get into my classes and I went to media training so I can, because I would get so nervous doing interviews and like on carpets and I would just like go on and on and repeat myself and like, I'm like, what are you talking about, girl? So I, you know, I would go to media training to like to condition myself to be better, you know, and that's another thing about self-care is like whatever it is you need to improve on, do it, do it, you know? So it seems like you were, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call you an introvert, but you seem kind like of. somebody who have always been kind of shy to some degree. To some degree. Right. Like when I get around like my friends and stuff. Yeah, like, like you could socialize, I'm sure, right? Yeah. But it just seems like, you know, kind of beyond just the normal socialization that, you know, you might not be the first one volunteering to uh, give your presentation in front oh, of the no. class. I right? was like, <laughs> I was like looking away, like, oh, the teacher don't call on me. I don't want to read. I was, right. I was that girl, yeah. you know? Because I was so scared of judgment, of what people thought. 
and even to this day i'm i'm working on that i've gotten better but i'm learning to i'm le- learning to let go of that fear cuz that holds us back a lot from life period you know and especially for what i'm doing for to be an actor you have to let go of judgment cuz you have to completely be out of your zone at certain points and if i want to expand and broaden my artistry my my instrument i have to tap into those worlds you know so yeah <laughs> is, is it um i mean because you you are currently you know playing somebody who uh, again is layered complicated edgy does that make it easier for you to play characters who are so unlike you? You know, it's almost, as you said, you're tapping into something else. Yeah. So th- does that make that process a little bit easier when they're not like you at all? Kind of. But the beautiful thing about Virginia is, like, she has that need to be loved as well. You so know that's the I mean? part you can relate to. That's the part I can relate to. Other Other parts I fish for, you know, but... As wacky and as crazy as she is, she's a very relatable character. And I think aside from, you know, her little fast outfits and stuff that people love, like she just she she wants she has a need to belong. She didn't have a family growing up, her mother growing up. Um, and that's why she wants to be that's why she's so drawn into being a part of this crew. Um, and. You know, but yeah, that's that's understandable, and that's something that a lot of people can can connect with. Well, I just, um, as I said at the top, I I feel stupid for getting on it late, but I didn't get into it too late. It wasn't like how I did Game of Thrones, where I waited to the last season to finally get in on it and had to binge seven seasons worth of stuff. Yeah. Um, but now I'm spoiled because. I don't. I want to. I need to wait until this season is over so I can binge through it. Yeah. So a lot of people do that. Yeah, I know. Like yeah. now I'm spoiled because I was y'all able messing to, up our ratings. Yeah, I know. My bad. You know, I can just DVR no. for the love instead <laughs> of waiting you. for it to like come no. out all at once. No, um, I appreciate that. But no, you guys doing an amazing job. And I don't. I, and again, for those who haven't seen it, I don't think I've really ever seen female characters written this way or portrayed this way. That while there's vulnerability there, there's a strength there. So oh, yeah. I love the kind of combination of both. Um, and I don't know, maybe I, I'm here for a Virginia uh, Des Des, uh, spinoff. Y'all two need to like take it everybody, on the road. Everybody wants, wants yeah, that. I, it's interesting. <laughs> I, need, I need y'all two together. Like, yeah. I, I see that as like the ultimate, like uh, Thelma and Louise. Y'all yeah. like the hood Thelma and Louise yeah. for sure. <laughs> So, and if some executive is listening out there, put it into right, existence. Right, going to pitch that to TNT. <laughs> That's right. Make it a full movie. Let's keep this thing going. But um, you're barely scratching the surface. So much success to you because I know you have so much more um, ahead of you. So thank you uh, for joining me today. And I do have one more segment to go um, that people, they seem to look forward to this segment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like given the where you are in your life, that you would appreciate the title of this segment. It's called Fuck It, I'm Bothered. And Ooh. that is next. So 
I don't really like to get in folks' personal business. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know I've had a couple guests on here whose personal business has been in the news. And while I know some of you guys may be curious about certain things, I am the captain of Team Mind Your Business. Unless it's relevant to the type of conversation I'm trying to have or about something that's bigger than general messiness. Who you sleep with, who you cheat with, who you date, who you have kids with, ain't none of my damn business. But today... I am relinquishing my role as captain of Team Mind Your Business and temporarily joining Team I'm About to Be Messy as Hell because fuck it, I'm bothered about Puff Daddy dating Steve Harvey's daughter, Lori. Now, let me just add the obligatory qualifier. I love Diddy. He's a hell of a businessman, hell of an entertainer. And I'm all in on Diddy bringing back Making the Band. By the way, if he doesn't bring back Dylon as the new Farnsworth Bentley, I'm going to be so disappointed. And he better make somebody walk to Junior's Cheesecake. Anyway, so the paparazzi caught Diddy out with Lori Harvey in Soho in New York a little while back. And get this, they were wearing matching outfits. They both had on white shirts. Diddy had on some blue and white shorts and she had on some blue and white pants. Looking like they about to hit the nearest jazz festival. Anyway, uh, you know it's real if y'all wearing matching outfits, right? Because when I was in high school, me and my boyfriend at the time and my girl and her boo, we all went to Cedar Point, which if you're not familiar, is the greatest amusement park on earth. Don't at me. Uh, we went the day after prom in matching outfits, Jabot shorts, Tasmanian Devil t-shirts, white Air Force Ones. You couldn't tell a shit. Y'all know nothing about that. Now, normally, I wouldn't give a damn who Diddy or Lori Harvey dated. But while reading the story about them on BT.com, free shout out, there was one sentence that turned this story on its head entirely. Apparently, Lori Harvey previously dated Puffy's 25-year-old son, Justin. Diddy, what you doing, dog? It's got to be some rules to this shit, Diddy. I'm sorry. You can't date someone who dated your son. This is like that movie, The Brothers. I don't know how many of you have seen it. If you haven't, that's your fucking fault. It's been out for 20 years, so spoiler alert. Remember Gabrielle Union, uh, she started dating Morris Chestnut. This is in the movie. And then Morris Chestnut found out she had dated his dad, who was played by Clifton Powell, and never said anything. That imaginary black love almost never happened because of that shit. Now, true story that's on the subject of what I'm talking about here. So my dad, he once asked me about one of my friends. He basically asked me if she had a man. Now, thankfully, this was in a Facebook message because had we been face to face, he would have seen the look of pure revulsion that was on my face. As I told him, not even if Jesus was pouring it. In fact, I told my girl, the one he inquired about, if my dad ever rolls up on you and tries to spit, you better act like you don't even speak English. I even told her that I wasn't going to invite her to my wedding. She is invited, by the way. On the off chance, my father decided to shoot his shot. Not that she was interested. It's just the mere thought of my dad ever hooking up with one of my friends. That's where hell meets gnaw. Matter of fact, let me just make this public service announcement right now. If you are a female friend of mine and you're coming to my wedding, you better give my dad a church hug where it's just the Holy Ghost between the two of you and keep that shit moving. Now, my dad has about 10, maybe 15 percent player 
he thinks he still has left in him. So if he so much as winks at you, if his eyebrow even raises in your direction, you got to leave. It's just that simple. Anyway, shame on you, Puffy. And shame on all y'all harlots. Stay away from my damn father. Stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. Jesse Burton is the executive producer for Spotify. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Hold up. 